to hit your goal time, what is your split on the last 50? 32 mid. Welcome back to the Social Kick Podcast. I'm Brian Lundquist. We got a full crew this morning. Dr. John Mullen, Luke Paddington, and welcome from the other side of the pond, Marco Koch. What's up? What's going on, Marco? How are you? Hello. Nice to meet you. Nice. Yeah. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. Yeah, uh, I, th- I think you might be our first German on the show. That's uh, quite the honor. Cheers. Ooh, nice. What are you? You're so. Um, yeah, you're you're at the end of your Saturday here. What um, what what'd you get up to today? What are you drinking actually this afternoon? Oh, just some recovery shake. To now, I just had my first training session for the Saturday, and now it's weekend time. <laughs> Yeah, right on. Actually, uh, I want to ask you about that. So you, you ride bikes or are you riding bikes on the weekend? Yeah, like twice a week. How, yeah, how'd you get into it? Uh, because of Corona. I wasn't able to go to swimming, so I had to do something else. And I tried out cycling and yeah, since then we implemented in, in our training. So Every Tuesday morning, instead of swimming, I have like a one to one and a half hour bike session, some intervals. And Saturday evening, normally I go for a long ride outside. But like right now, we got like minus 10 degrees. So it's a little bit too cold. So I just go on the on the roller in front of uh-huh. the TV for like two hours. Oh, OK. Are you actually on rollers uh, versus a kind of, a, I don't know, you might call it a turbo trainer or ah, a yeah, fixed yeah, trainer? So, no, it's yeah. Turbo okay. yeah. It's that. Uh, is that is that uh, foreshadowing for a future career in triathlon? Maybe, maybe. <laughs> I was having a bet with my coach, and uh, I said after the Olympics, I'm gonna do the Ironman in Frankfurt. But now, when I tried running, I'm not so sure anymore. I was about to say, breaststrokers and running. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Don't have the best reputation. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm not too bad, but yeah. 42 kilometers or 26 miles is quite long, maybe. <laughs> we see. Yeah, that's a pretty long way. Um, is have, have you always implemented alternative methods to your training? Or I mean, just is this, you know, like you said, a recent evolution with, with the pandemic and, and coronavirus that you're starting to experiment with other things? I mean, training alone, I feel like you have the opportunity to ex- experiment quite a bit. How does, how does that find its way into the rest of your training? Yeah, you know, I'm doing the swimming stuff for over 20 years now. So I think I, I know what's good for me, what feels good for my body. So when I started cycling during the pandemic, I could feel when I went back to the water that my legs were in fantastic shape. And then I I got like really, really good aerobic system from biking. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's why we just kept it. Because I feel when I swim too much mileage, I get slow and tired in breaststroke especially and when we just reduce the volume in the water just a little bit and do some aerobic stuff on dry land it really helps me because also when i do the taper part i can cut down the the volume in the swimming and just keep my endurance up with the biking huh yeah I actually, it's interesting you mentioned that because i had a similar experience with uh, with that earlier in my career, but when I was I was running cross country and swimming uh, training at the same time for about three or four months, and my legs were never in better shape uh, than that one season. And it's kind of a ama- it was a bit of a nuisance for training, but it also um, like trying to balance both training schedules at the same time. But 
Um, but it, man, like I could kick, like I couldn't stop kicking. It was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. For me running the impact for my body was just a little bit too much. I, I tried it out like two years ago and I mm -hmm. felt okay, but my kick was just getting a bit weak because the impact was just too much to handle for me. But now with the biking, I think it's just what I was looking for. <laughs> yeah. When we look at, you know, specificity and training, obviously over the years, swimming training's evolving from, you know, 15 kilometers, 10,000 meters of workout and dropping down. And in theory, you know, the more you swim with slow speed, the more you swim with bad technique, the more you're going to utilize that in a race. So we're starting to see more swimmers start to just try to work on race specific speeds and things like that. Obviously, you said you're able to drop the swimming volume when you do more cross training and do maybe some of your more aerobic work out of the water. So when you're in the water, are you trying to do more race specific speed and specificity training? Yeah, exactly. We got like a lot of like race pace training going on now. So I'm just doing like eight sessions per week in the water, but the sessions we are doing, they really count. It's not like just swimming up and down. Hmm. Yeah, and especially in, in, in breaststroke, it's pretty hard to, to keep the technique and everything. So I either I just swim like easy, building my technique or, or race pace, but not much in between, because I feel like it's not not a good thing for my technique to just swim breaststroke. What so what what is your technique, Marco? I mean, uh, um, breaststrokers are so particular, and what do they look like? Um, you know, you talk about you always make sure you streamline per stroke, matter your, your stroke rate. You talk about wanting to focus on Marco, not the person next to you in anything you do. What are you looking for when you're swimming? You're swimming perfectly always. What is it that's a Marco um, style? It's your breaststroke. <laughs> I think when I swim breaststroke, like on a really good day, it just feels effortlessly. I, I just feel like no resistance. I just try to focus on my rhythm the connection between legs and arms a lot of propulsion is coming from the upper body not mm. just the arms or the legs and just bring it together perfectly and it feels like it's not even hard and i can still go like 30 points on long course from the push like really easy what does it feel like when things aren't connecting and clicking? where feels off is there like a common technical thing or feeling that you have when you're like eh? not not having it today yeah i think that's when i when i get too slow in the water my legs are way too late so mm -hmm. i go like more like my moving the arms and then the legs and it's not coming together so you always get like a, a break with your hip or too much mm -hmm. resistance and after corona after the pandemic when we first went back to the water in may i was cycling like four times a week for three hours each session and I was feeling really good and my technique looked good. And then we started to go up in volume and training. And I swim like five, six thousand meters per session. And then I had a race pace day and nothing worked. <laughs> and that's when we started to drop down the volume a little bit. And we noticed like three hours of cycling doesn't make my legs or my whole body as tired swimming six K in the water. Yeah, I, I want to talk about the cycling a bit because Brian is a cyclist. He's just triathlon as well. And um, and um, I started doing cycling as well. And I found that after a three-hour cycle, I wasn't as dead the next day or afterwards. Not, I mean, you go for a one-hour run and I can't walk for a while, right? <laughs> um, but in the water, I did find my hips riding higher. 
and I did find me um, this. I had a different sense of, of of my lower body in the water. I was running higher. Obviously, in breaststroke, that's key. Brian, do you find yourself after a good cycle? How do you position your freestyle, John? Why is that happening with the muscles? Are we working different muscles? And Marco, how do you feel high in the water? And are you connecting better? You know, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, for me, we also implemented the cycling as kind of a warm up during the ISL when mm. the competition was getting a little bit earlier, like we had the, the meet at 12 or something. So it wasn't possible for me to get like easy session swimming before. So I just went on the bike for like 30, 40 minutes, just get the sweat going, just lit, push the heart rate up. And then when I jumped in the water for my real warm up, I felt amazing. Like really good. The legs were super easy. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I mean, in terms of body position, I, I don't think um, you know most of the time that I've been riding, it's after uh, a hard ride that I'll get into the water. And um, yeah, I'll be honest, I I don't I feel dead. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the reverse order. And and honestly, uh, from from the flip side, um, you know, been dabbling in triathlon for a while. I um it's it's bad the other direction too like getting on the bike after swimming is hard <laughs> like the first 10 minutes on the bike i feel like my legs are thrashed even though i try not to kick so i don't know yeah i can see actually for me um i, I think that I, I can see the benefits um not same day or back to back but um uh, but actually just through the leg strength that's developed uh, from either riding, uh, in this case, or running, and then how that translates into the water and how my legs feel, you know, two, three days later. Um, actually, maybe even the next day, the next day, they feel pretty strong you know, yeah. one day after. I mean, personally, what I think the big differences that are going to happen are, like like Marco said, for one, it can be used as a great tool to warm up. I mean, we look at warm up. We talked about it um, with Giles Smith about warm up and even with David Curtis a little. The main role of warm up is to get your heart rate up make sure you're psychologically ready to perform and confident then to perform. So if you can do that without wearing yourself out, even better. As far as how it changes body position, I don't think it probably changes it with, you know, activating different muscles, but swimmers, even with the lower volume, like Marco's doing, we still overtrain or do a lot of training, especially when it's 20 years of swimming training build up, right? That builds up over time. So allowing your body to work a different muscle group is probably allowing yourself to get that aerobic training, develop different muscles, but relax or calm down some of the swimming muscles that are overused. So those muscles are more fresh. So you just feel higher in the water versus mm. being high in the saddle, somehow getting your hips higher in a technical change. Mm-hmm. Marco, there's um, a, a bunch of guys that are sort of clustered right now around the long course 206, 207 number. Um, and, you know, I, there's, gosh, a lot of different race techniques too, especially the difference between the 100 and the 200. But even amongst the 200 swimmers, there's a lot of differences. At this point, do you do you look at what anybody else is doing? Because I feel like when people get, um, when there's one person that's, you know, so much faster than the rest, a lot of people talk about it. So in this case, it's like for the 100 PD, People looking at Adam Pete saying, what is he doing? You know, it's a lot of tempo, um, you know, and a lot of strength, you know, in the catch. Um, a really wicked fast kick, um, you know, fast heels, narrow kick. What What is it that, um, I, I guess for the 200, you know, are you looking at other people or do you simply tune out whatever else is going on and focus on what works for you? I, I just try to focus on myself. 
I know basically the same thing happened before the London Olympics. London Olympics were my first games and in this year suddenly everyone was doing tour nine, tour eight, everyone. But then you still medal with tour eight at the Olympics because mm -hmm. Olympics is a different kind of game. So in 2016, I posted a tour seven right first meet in January. And then everyone was going like tour seven, but tour seven was enough to win the games in Rio. So mm -hmm. Olympics is always a different kind of game. And I think the tour six range, what everyone is doing now, it's not that it's scaring me, you know, I don't, don't want to sound like overconfident or anything, but I think it's a, it's a really good time, but it's nothing. Yeah. To be mm -hmm. scared of, or I don't know how to put it. Now, like you said, I mean, going those times at the Olympics is another story, obviously. And clearly you have that range or that time. So it sounds like if you can stay in, in your lane and, and go that time when it counts, it should get the job done. At least in most cases, it does. Yeah. yeah. Sergio Lopez talks about, he thinks, he still thinks that's soft. I mean, how can you swim those times in 100 and swim those times in 200? There's, there's a big disconnect between the two times, right? Um, and he says that people are just have to start to learn not to slow down as much as they have been in the 200. You're not that kind of swimmer. You tend to have a really strong back off. You talk, talk about that. Why is it that you seem to maintain your speed over the 100? And, and what's it like going out? Like when you won Worlds, you were behind at the 100 and you just came back on quarters and stuff. That, that's a mental thing to stay calm, stay in your lane. Um, that's uh, also a technique thing just to, you know, talk about how one would get down to where Sergio Lopez thinks the 200 breaststroke should go. Yeah, for me, my fastest times start at the 100 meter mark. It was always that I feel like in really good control until 100 meter. I try to stay pretty long and then I try to pick up my frequency. And with picking up the frequency, I can just maintain the speed or even build up just a little bit. So that's like my kind of swimming. But now we're trying to work on to get the front half a little bit faster and then just to maintain the speed. In training, it's working pretty well so far. And I think we just need the right competition to try it out and show mm -hmm. it then. Because I think in summer, you need to go something like 60 point first 100 and still come back strong. You have to go 60 point first 100 to go what? 204? We'll see. <laughs> What's we'll the goal see. time? Sorry? What's the goal time? Uh, I'm not telling that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it just it just that's an event that seems like it's ready for somebody to just drop a big one and skip 205 you know and go straight to 204 uh maybe just, yeah <laughs> yeah yeah oh i hope you're the guy to do it um Thank you. that'd be that'd be a hell of a, a year to do it too uh yeah what's what's life been like adjusting to what's going to happen or not happen with the olympics Oof. The first month was pretty tough for me because we weren't able to train here back in Germany and the Olympics weren't postponed. So I didn't know what to do. And then I started cycling. I tried to do dry land at home, but you know, it's not the same. And mm -hmm. yeah, I got really scared. But then when the Olympics got postponed, yeah, I just took a little bit of pressure off me because I also I changed back to my coach Dirk Lange in like Christmas 2019 so it was pretty close before the Olympics and now we basically got one more year together 
just make everything right. So I think for me, if the games happen this year, it would actually be a good thing. Mm -hmm. You seem to be pretty on form for the ISL season. Is there something that's going on with training now that, you know, um, like what's, what's clicking, what's working really well? Uh, I think we, we implemented like an easy speed session every week, like sprint training, like pure sprint training once a week. And it really helps me to get my, my like easy speed for the first 50, first 100, for the 200 going. And yeah, it's working out really good in training so far. And I'm really looking forward to some competition this year to develop it even further. What about when we think about easy speed? A lot of times, I think about um, you know strength, strength in the water. Um, besides the bike, it, what 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 are you doing outside of the water? And do you feel like there's um, an aspect of your dryland program and strength program that's that's also leading to that result? Yeah, we cut down a lot of on weight training because I think I'm more than strong enough for the 200 meter. And I think what I was doing before, it was holding me back in the water because I was always so tired from dry land that I couldn't swim my like race technique, mm -hmm. like 90% of the year, you know, because I really needed long taper to get back in form. And in 2019, I started the Mar Nostrum tour with like 210 high and I was dying. And after two weeks of continuous racing and not doing as much dry land and everything, I brought it down to 207 high just mid-season while training normally in the world. And so I think for me, the key is just to not overdo it on the dry land because everything we're doing outside of the pool is just, it's just tools for the swimming part. So right. you just need to, to feel what's right for you, what you really need for your race. I'm interested so, in that because your coach, coach Cameron and Cameron was legendary for very, um, for his dry land. Um, for his, his unique approach to his dry land, right? Um, yeah. So what is Dirk doing that he learned from Cameron, but this is, a, this is Marco's training. How has, he, how has he changed his philosophy? And is it really specific to, to Marco now with the experience he gathered from all his time, you know, with the German national team directing and, and with work with Cameron? How is he now taking all that and making it for good for you and making it at age 30? I, I think the good thing is I worked with Dirk from... 2010 to the Olympics and afterwards we always worked together in camps so he always saw me and I had a camp with him in 2014 where I came to him and I didn't do any dry land at that point because I was doing so much in the water that I was too dead to do anything else basically and then we just started to implement like just a few things in dry land like just bench press power cleans some easy pull-ups stuff like this and then with like just 30, 40 minutes of dry land, we saw that I really, really could pick it up easy and felt amazing in the water. And that's what we just try to keep now. Minimal work on dry land to get maximum performance on the water. Okay. Are you carrying less body weight after uh, not, not lifting as much or not spending time on dry land out of the water? Meaning do you weigh less? We may have stuck for a second. Yeah, while we're waiting for him, I can uh, talk a little bit more about dry land. And obviously, when we're looking at dry land and trying to just complement what someone is doing in the water, obviously, there's a lot more trends towards Hello? increasing. I, just, I think I just disconnected. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, we have you yeah. back. That's right. Sweet. Yeah. 
we'll just we'll just cut the we'll cut the middle part out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, Luke, do you want to do an ISO and then oh, I'll uh, ask it again? He's gone. He's gone again. Uh, yeah, I'm 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 gonna do that ISO and have you ask the question when he comes back. Cool. What did I ask? Less body weight. Yeah, 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 body weight. Yeah. All okay. right, cool. No. All right, okay. good. Sorry. <laughs> So yeah. I'm gonna put I'm gonna have Brian ask the question again. He's gonna go full screen so for the edit and then come back to this view for you. Okay, Marco. So yeah. So Marco, when you talk about carrying less, um, you know, doing uh, less dry land outside of the water so that you're faster performing in the water, are are you in that process actually changing your your body composition? Are you are you lighter? Are you carrying less body weight and less muscle mass? Good question. I, I think I just try to keep my weight at the same now because we we figured that it's working really really good now in training so we don't want to change too much and if we change things just really really small parts so not dropping like five kilos of weight now because this will change the technique and everything again so just want to keep me as i am now and <laughs> i think it's working we like really you good. we like you as is <laughs> thank you <laughs> And I think even in doing the ISL, I showed that it's working really good now yeah. because it was the first competitions after such a long time. And I really need those races to get back in, especially on short course, because in breaststroke on short course, you, you just get like four or five strokes per length to make it perfect, you know, to adjust to the, to the walls and everything. So I think it was pretty good for me was, yeah, really happy. We, we we were trying to have you get your world record back, man. We were going for you. I know you ran out of time. Like if you guys made the finals, I I was like, oh, oh you didn't make the finals. Oh. Yeah, and I I catch some problems with my groin. I think a lot of breaststroke. I know what I'm talking about, and I couldn't get rid of it during the last weeks there. So I couldn't do much breaststroke in preparation for the last meets. But still, I was really happy with my times, and yeah. Was nice you, were very confident. you were like predicting you're like oh let's see it, it felt as though you knew something we didn't know at one point like <laughs> what, what was coming so yeah <laughs> yeah but i i couldn't do it this time hopefully yeah. next time hey so i mean you're for isl season what's what's free agency like i mean you're obviously free agent on, on a regular basis are, are you talking long-term contracts at all with uh with the breakers um what are your plans for next season? Or are you even thinking that far ahead? Right now, we're just planning to the Olympics, to be honest. And then we, we'll just see. You know, I'm 31 now, so not the youngest guy anymore. And I'm swimming because it's still like just fun for me. And I feel like I haven't reached my full potential. But I think if I would have the feeling at some point in my career that I'm not going to get any faster or it's not fun anymore, then I would just look for something else. Maybe the Iron Man thing. We'll see. <laughs> We've certainly got a rich history of, uh, of Iron Man athletes and in, in I feel like Germany is the leading country in triathlon on a regular basis. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that, would, that would certainly be something. Go ahead, John. <laughs> Yeah, with, with ISL, obviously, um, we, we loved it. We were excited for it. We were looking at the prize monies and all that and saw some swimmers brought home some pretty decent money, ones that aren't winning Olympic medals. Um, with the ISL, does that help out financially? And how does the German government support you and set you up um, as a pro swimmer 
Yeah, it really helped. Just in this pandemic, we didn't have any chance to do competitions to win any prize money. So it was really, really good to get the chance to at least win something. Because I think like here, yeah, I don't know if the government is doing anything right now for pro athletes, to be honest. Also, yeah. Sorry, finish with that. Uh, no, it's okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I want to. So, you know, we're familiar in the US, um, the foundation of elite swimming starts with the college swimming, uh, you know, um, format, which, which really means that high school athletes are most often, even amongst the, the very best, like even Katie Ledecky, let's say, who was. Um, you know, the best swimmer in the world in her events uh, at age, you know, 15, 16. Um, she still went to Stanford for a couple of years, right? So, like, she still uh, passed up um, professional earnings so that she could maintain eligibility and swim in college. And there's such an appeal for that, that um, you know, to, to swim in that format and for U.S. swimmers. It's a pretty rare thing for anybody to, to bypass the college system. Michael Phelps is one notable example that he just didn't go to college and went straight pro. Um, Michael Andrew, another. So, uh, but, you know, I'm curious about what it's like, uh, you know, coming up as an elite young German swimmer. Um, what are the things that the national governing body, the German swimming, is doing to support young athletes, um, you know, as tell me about your history and when you started to get good and on the radar, um, can you just give us some background on what, what it was like as you were starting to develop and become nationally relevant and perhaps internationally relevant and how the German swimming federation started to help you move along? Yeah, I think in Germany, you, it's really, really hard to get anything, any money with swimming till you're really, really good. I think when I was like 16, 17, 18, when I won my first medals at European Youth Championships, European World Championships, I think we're talking about like 200, 300 euros per month of foundation. That's it. And yeah, then we got the chance to go to the Federal Army and then you can go in like kind of a sports group or you can go to the police. And I think that's the only two or maybe there's something else where you like get paid to do your to basically do swimming but other than that there's not much in germany we got like one foundation that it's helping the best athletes but it's not that with this money alone you could could survive you need your own sponsors and everything otherwise it's it's just not working is that the route that you went to go through the federal army and into the sports group yeah, I went to the army in 2009 after I gradu graduated and then I was there for, I think, three years. And after the Olympics, I thought I'm going to just try it myself and I got a few sponsors and everything. And then it worked out great so far. But yeah, you just need to get lucky <laughs> because in Germany, everything is soccer and yeah, there's not too much money for other sports. I can't think of many German athletes who swam in the NCAA system. Definitely not the legends of German swimming. The Michael Grothers, the Van Elsmix, the Ottos. I mean, is, it, is that why not many go to the NCAA system or recruited? Or do the Germans just don't want to go there, need to go there, can't go there? 
what's what, what's your perspective on why isn't we have more of a channeling over the last 40 years to insular based system? Actually, I don't know. I was thinking going to DS for training back then, but I just didn't want to like lose my surroundings here. You know, mm. I just feel so comfortable here in my area. And I think without that, I wouldn't be where I'm now. So for me, it wasn't an option to go. But other than that, I think ma many German athletes get the opportunity to go. But I don't know, maybe the system is so different that they can't develop properly there because they are not used to it. Or I don't really know. Because, a lot I didn't of try it out. because they, they want good coaching and they want good facilities and they want good infrastructure as well. And I know Germany has that. But what Germany doesn't have is what the ISL gave you, that whole team, or maybe I'm wrong, the whole team aspect and, and being on that team. I mean, did you have that experience before the ISL, what you had in the ISL, you know, the whole team aspect? We got one competition a year uh, where it's like a team event where mm -hmm. you compete for your club and score points for your club, but it's just like one weekend a year. <laughs> so it's pretty small, but this one's always really, really fun. So ISL really reminded me of this one, but mm. I think you can compare it like it's in the US where you have meets like this every weekend, basically. Mm. Hey, have you gotten paid yet by ISL? I know there's been a lot of chatter about payments and, and whether or not they've followed through. Um, just curious, we're yeah. always checking in with athletes to see how it's going. I think I'm still waiting. <laughs> <laughs> What, so, so on that note, um, maybe besides on-time payments, what do you think that the ISL can do to improve? I think it would be fun to have these kind of competitions all year round, not just mm -hmm. like during short course seasons, you know, just make swim, swimming in TV like all over the year. Like start in the, like now in January and maybe skip a little bit uh, in the middle of the year because of World Championships, Olympic Games and everything and then come back right after like the Finas doing it with World Cups so you have a chance to compete like basically every month or every couple of weeks. Hmm. Do I you would see, really enjoy it like this. Do you see Do you see that there's a future of Constantine's vision where all the, all the teams are actually training together uh, just like another professional team? I think we had it like this with the energy standard team in Turkey, and I think it worked out pretty good. And I really, you know, during ISL now, because it was just like a five week window, it's hard to come to like a new program when it's basically the only competition this year. So I, I didn't want to join the other guys. I just want to stick to my program. But yeah. if you got like camps or whatever, basically every time, it would be so much fun to to see what the other guys are doing and train together and yeah i could really see it so if you like you know especially for somebody like you who says okay well i'm i've really found my comfort in my base you know and, and training solo working one-on-one -on -one with a coach you've got your training regimen where you can ride the bike and you know do have all your resources um do, do you see that fitting that model fitting for someone like you or, or does it have to be on a camp basis where you know you can kind of drop in like an all-star and you know participate but but really your home training base is always somewhere else do you feel like if if the professional swimming model was you have to go and train with the group full-time and be part of the team 
Um, can you see, do you see someone like yourself, um, you know, being able to adapt to that? Yeah, for sure. Because just because we're training together like full day, it doesn't mean I have to do 100% of what the guy next to me is doing, you know. Mm -hmm. You can always adjust little things that it's working for you. And I think over the last years, I always went for to train together with some other guys. And it's not never that I'm there and oh, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do what you're doing because I did it like this all the time. I really like to try out new things and everything. So I think it would be really fun. Maybe, you know, not doing like 100% of what the guy, what all the guys are doing, but just adjust a little bit. And I think that's what they did in Energy Standard. You got the guys just swimming the 50 meters. They don't do as much mileage as the guys swimming 100 or 200. So you always got in this group. You got like smaller groups. So yeah, yeah. There's a lot of individualization, especially with someone you know that's been around for 20 years. I'm sure the coaches put a lot of faith that okay, Marco knows what he needs. You know, we'll let him fine tune. He needs to ride his bike around Margaret Island a thousand times on, on the weekday. We'll let him just make laps there. It's all good. <laughs> I, I want to talk about, you mentioned All-Star and, and you are star of German swimming. Um, are, are you the biggest star in German swimming? It's the group. I, I mean, arguably right now, currently probably yes. Um, but are you seen like that at home? How do, how do Germans view swimming, especially after what Germany went through with the East German scandal, the drug scandal, you know, that, that, that's, that tarnished a lot of reputations. Germany is it's football number one, and then there's handball, there's, you know, there's everything, and then where's swimming land? Are you a star? How do Germans see swimming, you know? Like, oh, that's Marco, this key, that guy swims. Uh, he's a world champion. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I think most people in Germany don't know me. In Germany, it's really, you know, all the soccer players and everything. But I think other than that, just maybe Van Alnsik, Michel Groß, that's the names they remember. But other than that, not too much, I think. But for me, it's it's fine like this. I like to just go out and nobody knows me, you know. But right now, we got like a few really good swimmers in Germany with Florian Wellbrock, Sarah Köhler. She broke the 1500 short course world record. Florian won the open water and the 1500, I think, in Guangzhou. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I think German swimming is in a good spot right now. So, yeah. But it makes a difference, like your agent would want you to, to be more well known, for instance. You know, it makes yeah. a difference to earn a living. And we want to see Marco swimming for another 10 years, but you're not going to do that if you can't earn a living. So, it, there's, it's a give and take. It's, you want to be under the radar and don't deal with that. But at the same time, you need to be supported. And you need to be supported not after you win the medal, but in order for you to get a medal. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So. yeah. I think that's really, really tough in swimming. I think we lose most of the swimmers after graduating like college. Because then it's, what I'm, am I going to do? If I'm going to study like full time, there's not enough time for swimming. Mm -hmm. And they don't get enough foundation to yeah stretch the studying part and everything you know so i think we do quite a few there either you're so good that you don't need like foundation because you're so good but mm. yeah in the states we are starting to see more older swimmers like giles smith brandon fisher and, and even others work part-time or full-time and still train and obviously swim at a very high level 
Is that happening at all in Germany, or could you see that model working? I think it's hard <laughs> if you train like all in all, like 30, now, 30 hours a week, and then you have to work part time besides that. I don't know. I, I mean, if you if you get like a good company that fully support like w when you want to train, when you need to do your training, that they like give you your free time and everything could work. But for me, it always feels like if I'm doing anything else than training, it's kind of holding me back. You know, I need all of my energy for yeah my daily training. It's really yeah. hard to do something yeah i think even that. outside of training just the meets is where it gets tough with with professionals and working yeah. obviously especially with isl i mean giles what was he he's a real estate agent so he's really flexible on his schedule but um unless you're completely remote or have a completely flexible employer you know six weeks in uh, margaret island may not be uh, doable for for many workplaces yeah no uh, you mentioned energy and conservation of energy and i and i want to talk about the energy we don't often talk about it's the mental energy it's the whole mental side of this whole sport and just having us to to i mean you're experienced i heard you use hypnosis to help you i mean what's how let's talk about the whole mental aspect how do you approach your racing your training how do you know when you're not ready mentally or, or emotionally for practice how much does that play in your workouts i think 99 percent of the time right now i'm really ready for whatever is coming training or competition but i think on the days where i feel like it's just not working out you need to adapt and maybe do something else because it's just like killing you in training it's not not worth it and if i'm supposed to do race pace training and i'm like really off i'm not doing it just because it's on the program you know so i'm really happy that dirk also got this approach that we like really flexible with the programming on the days where it's just not working out because i don't know what kind of stress maybe you can have outside of swimming so i think you really need to be flexible no that, that, that's deep but we need to realize that sometimes the, if the body might feel great but you need to be there with the other big muscle as well um and yeah. and focused especially in your kind of program where you are paying such strict attention to every angle your finger enters the water. I mean, such precision and concentration. You need to be in the right place to do it accurately. Otherwise, you're damaging yourself almost, right? It takes a yeah, lot. Of yeah. yeah, I think I got a really good feeling for the days where I can like work myself into the series I have to do, where it's just like starting tough, but you know you can like push into it and then it's getting better and you start to feel better again and you get a feeling for your stroke. And then you got the days where you just jump in and you know it's not going to happen today. And on these days, sometimes I would just go out and yeah, it's okay. Call it a day. Just like reset your mind and everything and try again tomorrow. Because like I said, if I have to do, let's say we're working on my first 50 for the 200. And I jump in and go like 30 points from the dive. There's no point of doing this kind of exercise because it's not what we're training for, you know. Maybe then I just put on my fins, just go 1K, just easy to relax the mind and then just call it off and try to recover for the next session. Yeah, and in powerlifting, they call that, you know, self-regulation or self-regulatory training because when they're expected to lift at 90, 95, 99% of their max, 
if it's not all there, they could hurt themselves, you know, just very frankly. So it's a similar kind of thing. Maybe it's not a physical injury might occur, but uh, a psychological injury that may occur it, or even a biomechanical injury where it may not be able to translate as much. So I have a kind of uh, two questions. One, is this how you always were, you know, even as a younger swimmer? Or is this something that developed over time? And then two, what would you say to younger swimmers about how to self-regulate this or how to work with your coach with this? Because at least in America, you know, you're an 18 year old. You look at your coach and you're like, eh, not feeling it today, big guy. I'm going to put on some fins. Um, That probably wouldn't go over so well. Yeah. I think I always felt it from the beginning, but at first I wasn't like, I wasn't strong enough mentally to just do it like this, you know? Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, let's just do it because it's on the program, even though I was feeling it's maybe not right. And then I tried it out. But after the years, I just get a feeling for it when I can take the day off or the session off or whatever, and when I have to push through it. And it like this, it also depends on the session. It's like when it's really, really hard, like race pace work or speed work, and your body is not ready for it, I think there's no point in doing it. If it's more like a series where it's more about the, what do you call it? About like hurting yourself, you know, just doing something that's really tough and the speed is not that relevant, then maybe you can push through it on these days. But I think I always felt it even when I was a younger swimmer and I was really happy with my coaches. They know most of the time on which days I should stay in the water and just try it or if it's just not working out. So, yeah, I think I was just lucky with my coaches <laughs> because I think in a really big group and then you're like, ah, I'm not feeling it today. Everyone's like, oh, always this guy trying to have his own and, you know, so, yeah. You know, I was going to relate that back to the German culture. Um, I have a, a, my mentor in filmmaking is this German DP and everything was either a disaster Oh, okay. <laughs> the, the point is, he was like so hard on himself, and you know, the perfection had to be there. And we see it in German cars, you know, like ultimate driving machine, etc. But we are not machines, you know. We we you have to go easy on yourself sometimes. You need to chill sometimes and pay attention to the other machines. So I'm really glad that you said that you you you've had good environments, good coaches who have seen you as a person and, and realize that's all part of the formula. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's the most important thing. And that's why I didn't want to go to the aspect then because I was just feeling so comfortable here with my environment and everything. Family supporting me and also the coaches just being there for me. Yeah, Yeah. it really helps. Yeah, we we talked to Beryl Gastadello and and she had a uh, interesting time, you know, just learning English when she went to Texas from, from France and the whole change from the food to being, you know, in Texas, and it was it, it affected her. But at the same time, swimming was that one thing that we all found commonality. We all loved to streamline underwater. We all loved that that headspace to to be by ourselves. So that's what's good thing about our sport. But it's completely you want to be where you are. Don't fix don't br- fix it if it's in broke. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we um we're talking about ISL next year, and obviously there's a lot of unknowns. Tokyo 2021 still a little bit unknown, but as far as now, it's on. What is the the game plan as far as racing and meets for you um, leading up to Tokyo? 
I think we got like one big meet before, hopefully in May, the European Championships. And this would be like the last, like how you say, like the last real test for us, just to mm -hmm. see where we're at, what we need to work on. So I'm really Have you qualified? Are, are you yes. qualified? Yeah. Yes, okay. just the 200, but it's, it's enough for me. <laughs> and it's official. It doesn't have to be ratified or anything. Like the no. French, they have to ratify it. It's official. You're on the team. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, so I was you'd really happy go with just the 200. You'd rather not yes. from the 100. Yeah, I also, I, I think I never did the 100 since mm -hmm. 2010. In 2010, I did the 100 before the 200 at the Europeans. And I felt like I'm not at 100% anymore after like two or three races in the 100, you know. Mm -hmm. And also, I like to come like a little bit later to my races. So at the World Championships in Kazan, I came to Kazan, I think, two or three days before my race because I don't like being in the race environment and yeah. not be able to race, you know. I'm just waiting for my turn and I really hate it. I really do. So that's why we started, like, bring me, like, really late to meet. So I just go in, have, like, one or two days to get ready and then hopefully it's starting because otherwise I lose all the tension going into the race and I just don't like it. So, yeah. How do you plan for something like that with um, with Tokyo? It's such a different time zone. Do you go and stay somewhere else that's not actually in Tokyo where the racing is happening, but at least adjust to the time zone and train and then go to the meet? Yeah, I think our plan was to go to Kumamoto. I think it's somewhere South Japan. We've been there three times now or two times. Before the Worlds in 2019, we also went there for a training camp. So I'm probably going to stay there if it's possible and then come really late to the race. But we just need to, to see how it's going to then. Maybe they will have some kind of bubble like we did in the ISL, so it won't be possible. But we're going to adapt if it's needed. Hmm. Hey, what motivated you to get into swimming? Like, you, we can skip back. I'm just interested to see who was that swimmer you looked up to or you just happened to, to fall into it? What got you into the sport? Was there an athlete out there that you just like love seeing swim or not? Were you a soccer guy growing up? What got... uh, basically, it was like this. My older brother started swimming and I always had to go pick him up. So I had to wait in the car basically till he's done. So one day I, start, I thought maybe instead of waiting, I could just try it out myself. And then, yeah, <laughs> I started swimming and Never looked back. Why do you love it? Why do you love it? Why do you still keep doing it? What is it about that you love? Actually, swimming was the only thing that could hold my attention for longer than 30 seconds. If you gave me like a new toy or whatever, I would play with it for two minutes and put it away and look for something else. Swimming is the only thing that could, yeah, that I'm doing for over 20 years now. And I can't tell you why. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's great. Um, um, I, and, and you see the same thing in cycling a little bit too, the meditative aspect, just you get inside and you can put your head down and just do and be by yourself. I mean, do you, are you attracted to the cycling aspect as well because of that? It's a similar mindset. Yeah, I think so. And I think in, in swimming, it was always like, you know, I had stress in school and everything and like life was going crazy. But as soon as you jump in the water, it's quiet. You're just by yourself. It's yeah, it's just so relaxing. And even the coach can scream or whatever. You just put your head down and you don't hear anything. So I really enjoyed this kind of aspect. 
and do, the feeling I get when I'm in the water. Do you like the social aspect of it? Did you do you like talking to teammates or going to you know? Do you like the community aspect, the building camaraderie? Yes, I know you also like isolation. What kind of person are you for that? I trained at a quite small club in Darmstadt over the last, I think, from 2001 to 2018. So I was always training with the group, and I really liked it because yeah, it was just fun chatting with the people coming together every day. But since two years now, I train mostly by myself. And that's also, I don't know, it's something else, but I kind of enjoy it right now. Because, you know, like I said, the days where you don't feel it or whatever, sometimes you just need to take it easy. And when then somebody next to you is maybe pushing it yeah. because he's having a really good day, then you're trying, ah, maybe I should. Yeah, you too competitive. Yeah. yeah, but sometimes it's not the smartest idea to just join him, you know. So, like right now, I'm getting older and I really need to look into my body and feel what's good for me. And I think that's really good right now when I'm like training mostly by myself. So, we always try to do a little plug here, but you train by yourself. So, I'm not sure what we're going to get. So, social kick is kicking with your friends, taking it easy. <laughs> Do you do a hypnosis kick on your own, or what do you do when you're training? Yeah, right now I do I do like this, but I'm going for a training camp end of February, so I will have a few mates coming with me. <laughs> Excellent. You still love social kick. Yeah. Don't worry. <laughs> All right, Marco, we're gonna finish with a few rapid fire questions for you. <clears throat> What's the hardest race in swimming? For me, probably 200 backstroke. That's a popular one. Olympic gold medal or world record? Olympic gold medal. Who's the greatest German swimmer in history? That's a good question. Michael Kors? Uh, especially if you're in a village format, not at home, what's your go-to pre-race meal? Pasta. Or rice. Munich sausages. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Is Shimanovich dolphin kicking? Uh, <laughs> kinda. A little bit. What will it take to win gold in Tokyo in the 200? I think what time? New, world, new world record for sure. New world record. What will it take to win any medal? Under 2065. And to hit your goal time, what is your split on the last 50? 32 mid. I love it. Marco, thanks for hanging out with us. It's been a Thank pleasure. Thank you for having me. <laughs> That's it for this episode of the Social Kick Podcast. We'll see you later. Hey, everybody. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you're enjoying Social Kick, tell your friends about it. And be sure to tell us what you liked by leaving a comment and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at the social kick podcast. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel, the social kick, and you can find all of our content on our website at the